0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. It was a great week for the New England Revolution. As they won not just one, but two games, taking six whole points uh, from games against the Montreal Impact and DC United. These are games that the Revolution needed to win and were desperate to win. And not only just to get points on the board, but uh, to also get an offense that has been stalled out since the MLS Cup back tournament. Uh, They finally have started scoring some goals, five goals total from the revolution. Uh, A goal from Henry Kessler, a goal from Diego Fagundes, a goal from Adam Buxa. Uh, So, some some goals from unlikely places that we haven't seen a lot of lately. Um, An overall great week for the revolution uh, and a successful week at that. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today is Sean Donahue. Sean, how's it going?
0: we're going to ignore the Celtics game that just ended and stick with the soccer. Uh, and it was a great, uh, great week for the Revolution and some you know, great goal scorers. Um, the Revolution have needed these guys to get on the board. So it was really good for the Revolution to see Gustavo Bo, Adam Buksa uh, find the back of the net. And then, you know, even Diego Fagundes find the back of the net. And then Christian Panea uh, with a couple of assists. So a lot of good things for the Revolution going on this week.
1: There's a lot of positive things to talk about that will put us in a much, much better mood than uh, what the Boston Celtics just did. It was a very uh, successful weekend overall for for New England sports between the Patriots winning, the Revolution winning, and the Red Sox season ending. And then the Celtics <laughs> just had to come along and uh, just ruin, ruin everything. Uh, it it would have been a very, very nice end of the weekend if they could push it to a Game 7. But alas, the Celtics season ends. But on a more positive note, the Revolution, Sean, uh, give me your key takeaway from not just the DC United game that we just watched, but also the Montreal Impact game. Uh, Let's hear your key takeaway from this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, my takeaway from both games, and it's kind of related to my last takeaway, is that, you know, Lee Wynn has a lot more to offer the Revolution still at this stage in his career than I think we thought he did. Um, You know, a 33-year-old Lee Wynn had seven key passes uh, on Wednesday in that game against Montreal, and then he had five key passes um, in the game against D.C., You know, I thought that when he played, you know, close to 89 minutes, you know, a weekend ago, uh, that there was no way he was going to be able to start both of these other games this week. And, you know, he started both games and went past the 60th minute um, and showed that he can still contribute a lot to this Revolution team. We talked a week ago about how much he adds to the Revolution's ability to maintain possession. The Revolution greatly outpossessed both D.C. and Montreal this week. Uh, So it was, you know, a really good job from the Revolution um, to kind of build around Lee Wynn and kind of you know, restructure that midfield with him as kind of the focal point. He's just a guy that manages to, you know, get possession of the ball from his teammates and, and keep it for the revolution and do it in a positive way. Um, you know, for him to put up seven key passes in a game or five key passes in a game like he has the past two games those are Carly's heel level numbers and again I don't think Lee Wynn can do what Carles heel can do at this point in his career uh, but he can certainly do a lot more than I thought he was going to offer the revolution when that trade was made so far it's been a fantastic trade for the revolution and he's really kind of reinvented this revolution offense without Carles heel and made them a team that can play really well in possession and can create goals or create chances at least uh, from the center of that midfield something they really were lacking they were far too dependent on the wing play um, before they had Lee Wynn in this team. And Lee Wynn has just really changed that. Uh, but those just numbers just stand out to me. Seven key passes against Montreal and five against D.C. Uh, very few players on this Revolution team are capable of doing that. We've only seen that out of Gustavo Bow uh, when he was in that 10-roll early on in the season. And out of Carlisle's heel, the few games he was healthy.
1: Yeah, and another thing, too, that he brings that... I. I- I don't think I realized it until he was here, but set pieces, I mean, set pieces suddenly are a lot more dangerous from the revolution. It it used to be, you know, Bootner was okay at at crosses. I think he was supposed to be the guy that would take over. Kellen Rowe was, was doing corners, but he's in and out of the lineup. Um, there, There wasn't really any consistency from corners and set pieces. And with Lee Wynn, it seems like every set piece is dangerous um, and you go back to the Henry Kessler goal. It kind of falls at his feet and Lee Wynn does not get credit for a, um, an assist on that play, but that ball's perfectly in the center of the box where you want it to. And Kessler is able to just clean it up and put it home. So uh, set pieces is much more dangerous overall for the revolution and and I as I say it didn't really click until I've seen it this past week but um you you mentioned the chances created the seven on uh Wednesday the five uh today I, I think five of them were from uh set pieces uh, corners or a free kick on Wednesday I think only one or two came from uh set pieces I don't have that stat in front of me uh, I know at least one was from a corner kick um tonight but Regardless, they're able to create a lot more chances from these uh, dead ball set pieces that just makes the rev revs a little bit more dangerous in the attacking third. Um, and for a team that is really struggling to create chances, um, having someone who makes free kicks that much more dangerous, that adds a whole nother dimension to this offense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the Revolution have a lot of tall targets in the box, especially when Adam Buxa is out there. Um, But, you know, with guys like Henry Kessler, who we saw score uh, on Wednesday, um, you know, they have those targets. So if they have a dangerous set piece taker like Lee Wynn, and and when I talk about the tall guys, I should also mention Kellen Rowe, who was getting on the end of you know set piece after set piece uh, earlier in this week um you know, they have a lot of guys that are that are threats in those and, the, and the, the set piece service this year prior to Lee Wynn had been far too inconsistent you know, with Carly's heel out yeah uh
1: Lee Wynn you mentioned his minutes played he had 89 minutes uh Last week against New York City in that 0-0 draw, since then he had 63 minutes against Montreal, 67 minutes against DC United, whose, whose score ratings this week were 7.35 and 7.09, uh, much better than any of his uh, ratings from uh, Inter-Miami or uh, before this week. So um, we're seeing this offense start to click with Lee Wynn. And, um, you know, I've noticed too that some players, like with Teal Bunbury, uh, they have that kind of connection where, um, you know, it's it's not like a new acquisition like Matt Polster um, or Tommy McNamara, where teammates kind of have to get to know each other. You know, you see Lee Wynn and Teal Bunbury immediately make some connections. Lee Wynn and Scott Caldwell. Caldwell had another great week, um, man of the match on Wednesday. He had a very solid game today. Um, you, you can kind of see these connections in the midfield immediately clicking, uh, which is another benefit from, you know, bringing in someone that you don't really know and and, and whatnot. So um, the Lee Wynn trade It was basically a free player. Um, It was a salary dump from Inter-Miami standpoint. But uh, overall, I think it's working very, very well uh, two weeks in. Uh, my key takeaway was going to be Christian Pania coming off of the bench. We did have some listener questions, so we're going to kind of jump into some listener questions because we, we got a few uh, based on Christian Pania. So I, I'm going to kind of combine the two and just kind of hop into listener questions already. But uh, really quickly, my, my key takeaway is he's looked really great off of the bench. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, I think we've talked to Sean before about, you know, you're not going to get a solid 90 minutes of hustle from Christian Pena, but you're able to get flashes of brilliance here and there. And he seems like a very motivated person coming off the bench. He seems like a guy that thinks that if I'm getting 30 minutes, if I'm getting 25 minutes, if I'm getting 35 minutes, I'm going to make those 35 minutes count. Uh, Christian Pena leads his team in assists. He has four assists on the season. He had two tonight. Um, this is a guy that is, is very quietly productive because I, I think a lot of people remember his mistakes and his errors and his wild shots and his turnovers. Um, but they miss the fact that I think last year he had seven goals and nine assists or something like that. When a lot of people would consider his 2019 season a bust. Um has yet to score this season, but he's got four assists in, in pretty limited time. And the last three appearances he's made off of the bench coming on for Tayon Buchanan, who has also been very good in the starting role and looked excellent tonight. Uh, uh, against DC United, um, I digress. Uh, but C- Christian Pulisic has looked really, really well in that uh, super sub role, and and I think it's it's going to be his role the remainder of the season, and, and I think they're going to really, really benefit having a guy of his caliber to come off of the bench. I know another stat too is that I think the beginning of the season through 10 or 12 games, the Revs didn't score beyond the 60th minute. I think that changes with Christian And Instead of a team that uh, loses momentum as time goes on, I think Christian Panea is a guy you can bring on and immediately the team gets that much better. Um, we, we had a quick question here. Flo asked us, is Panea just a super sub? And I, I I wouldn't say he's just a super sub. I just think that benefits the team altogether. Uh, and Quite Revs asks us, is Pania back? Um, I don't know. I'd say back because back. would. I, I feel like he would be back if he was in a starting role uh, and if he was kind of leading the team like he was in 2018 when he was voted the team's MVP. Um, but overall, I, I really love him off the bench. Sean, I want to hear your thoughts on Christian Pania.
0: Yeah, I mean, Pania is a guy that's good running at tired legs, as we've seen in these games. And he's a guy that's good kind of playing a counterattacking style of soccer. I don't know that he's that good playing the style of soccer. Or the Revolution I've been playing the past couple games um, with Lee Win out there. With Lee, Lee as, you as know, a guy that, again, helps the Revolution maintain possession and kind of be more of a team that plays on the front foot. I'm not sure that style suits Christian Pania. Um So you saw in this game, you know, Lee Wen comes off. Um, and there's an opportunity for Christian Pena to come on and the revolution, you know, aren't necessarily holding the possession the way they were earlier in the game. And they are kind of playing, you know, a bit more of a counterattacking style or a bit more of a you know, a style where they're willing to concede possession to DC um, and you know play a, a different way, play the way they kind of played with when wasn't out there. And when you have Christian Pena out there uh, to kind of run at tired legs, that works really well. Um, so I agree. I think that he does really well in that super sub role. I don't think he's limited to that, but I think for the foreseeable future, that's the best role for him on this revolution team. Because I do think with the way the revolution have been playing uh, with Lee win, um, you know, there's other guys better suited to that style than Christian Pena. Um, and if you need a goal late, if you're chasing the game, you know, in the 60th minute, 70th minute, and you want to bring a sub on to kind of you know help spark something and, and get a goal. Uh, there's few better guys out there than Christian Pena and what he can do running at tired legs.
1: Absolutely. He's a very dangerous weapon off of the bench. And as I say, I, I, I don't think it's a knock to say he's a super sub at this point. Uh, I just think that, you know, I think he's very, very dangerous. You can give Tayon 60 minutes uh, and and he'll put in some effort. He's looked very, very well on both sides of the ball. He seems to be getting confident more and more uh, as time goes on. And then you can bring on Christian Pena. Uh it, It's kind of like a, you know, double-edged sword uh, in terms of, you know, bringing on someone who's just that much faster uh, and is that much more clinical of a finisher too. Uh, there was some more production from both the designated players. Gustavo Bo ended a 382-minute scoreless drought, uh, scoring Wednesday uh, against Montreal and also breaking a scoreless uh, tie uh, Sunday night uh, in D.C. United. Uh, Adam Buxa also scored against D.C. United, his second goal against D.C. United, uh, his first goal in 10 games. Um, Buxa has been relegated to the bench Recently, he hasn't started in the last three games as the Revolution have kind of reverted back to the 4-2-3-1, and they've been opting to play Gustavo bow up top as their striker, leaving Adam Bux out in the cold. But regardless, three goals from the two of them. Um, Sean, uh, just very, very quickly um, – what are your thoughts on Gustavo Bo and Adam Buxa and how they're playing them? Uh, this to me seems like the way they're going to play them moving forward. It seems like you know Bruce Arena likes playing his hot hands, and this is what's getting results. So I'm under the impression that they're going to be rolling with this four-two-three-one formation going forward. Um, I'm not sure how you fit both of them on the field this, this time. I'm not sure who who you take off. Um, and, we, and we got a question from Flo on Discord who says, uh, "How do you play both Bo and Books on the field?" I, I don't really know if that's really possible. So, um, do you approve of the way Bruce Arena is handling it, or would you try to fit them both on the field at this point?
0: No, I think I completely agree with you. The Revolution have been playing really well in this formation um, over the past few games, and it's in you know part of it is that Adam Books has been on the bench and Gustavo Bo has been kind of playing as a you know lone striker with freedom to roam, um, and it's worked for the Revs and it's worked with that possession style that they've been playing. Um, So, you know, I think they have a a problem, you know, and that Adam Buchsa. I don't think you can fit him into this lineup and without changing the formation. Um, And, you know, Bruce Arena, like you said, he wants to stick with what's working and this has been working. So I don't see it changing. Um, So what does that mean for Adam Buchsa going forward? I think we're going to see him in the substitute role. Um, at least until the revolution, you know, start floundering with this team, you know, maybe things change if the revolution go up against a really good team and he wants to kind of switch things up and doesn't think the revolution are going to be able to play in possession. Um, but the style they're playing right now, it uh, doesn't make any sense to bring Adam Buksa on. If you move Gustavo bow to the wings uh, to make room for Adam Buksa and keep the same formation, I think the revolution are worse off that way. So I think for now, Adam Buksa uh, kind of played himself out of the lineup. And the formation has worked without him. So, I, you know, he scored a great goal tonight, but I don't think that's enough to force Bruce Arena's hand uh, to kind of make the the formation change to fit him back in there. Um, eventually, Adam Books has to be starting. He's a designated player. It doesn't make sense to have him on your roster if he's not going to start. Um, but, you know, for now, I think we're going to see what we've seen so far. Um, you know, without a formation change, I don't think you can fit Adam Books on there. And I don't see why you change the formation when it's worked so well.
1: Yeah, it's very weird to say that this guy that we had huge expectations for is best suited on the bench, but it's working for the Revs right now. And and as I say, who are you taking off? Teal Bunbury, I suppose, but you're going to play Lee Wynn in the central midfield in the central attacking midfield. Um, you, you're, I mean, you'd have to play Bow on the wings, which I'm not sure if that's the best spot for him. So you'd have to take off Teal or Tayon Buchanan. Um, it, it just adds a whole lot of headaches for Adam Buxa who wasn't producing in the starting lineup. Uh, I know we mentioned his, his minutes played last week. I want to go through it again, that these are the minutes played per game uh, since the start of the season for Adam Books at 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 86, 90, 77, 90, 90, 90, 73. Uh, and then over the last six games, 19, 77, 59, 1, 21, 11. So that's four of the last six games he has not started after starting the first nine. Um, and, and the results have been getting better. I mean, I, I don't, it's just, It's not necessarily an indictment on Adam Buxa. It's just right now this team without Carly Seal is flowing a lot better with Adam Buxa. Um, it, It does raise some questions about where he fits in with this team next year. But in terms of 2020, I don't think that's an issue we really have to worry about. I think Adam Buxa is in the Christian Pena zone of at this point, I think he's probably just better coming off. Um, the bench and and being a weapon uh, towards the end. But regardless, I think it was really uh, satisfying to see Adam Buchsa finally get on the stat sheet. You can see it meant a lot to him. You could see that uh, his teammates were really, really happy for him. Overall, it was uh, a bit heartwarming to see him break uh, his scoreless drought. As I say, first goal in 10 appearances dating back to the D.C. United game against uh, or the D.C. United game in the uh, MLS's back tournament. So it's been a while. And and what a beautiful chip it was to uh, break through. Uh, we got a question from Quite Revs on Discord. How do you feel about this team going forward? Are we strong or are we just
0: lucky? Somewhere in the middle. I mean, I think the team has proven it's got more talent than it showed, you know, earlier on in the season, or you know, just a few weeks ago uh, when it was really struggling to score and really struggling to break teams down. Um, you know, they're they're playing a lot better lately. But you know, you got you got to get back to the fact that the Revolution are playing the schedule against the same teams over and over and over again. Montreal, um, they're doing okay in the standings, but they're not that good of a team. DC United is in last place in MLS um new york city fc is a good team but they were mix- missing one of their best players when the revolution got that draw against them um you know the revolution still lost to philadelphia who's one of the better teams in the league uh we don't know if this improved revolution team is as go- capable of beating a team as good as philadelphia um i mean again that was a kind of an unlucky game given the red card but still you know they didn't get a- didn't get any points out of that game um i think this revolution team is is good um but you know let's see what happens when they play Toronto, if Toronto has all their players healthy. Let's see what happens, you know, if the Revolution do make the playoffs and play some teams other than just the, you know, the Eastern Conference, Northeastern regional teams, um, many of which have not been playing good right now. But it's 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 good to build confidence beating, you know, not very good teams. The Revolution needs to do that. Getting two wins in a row is huge for the Revolution. Um, but, you know, the reality check is that DC United is not a good team. The Montreal Impact aren't a very good team either um so i think this is a a good revolution team one that's certainly capable of making the playoffs um i think the fifth spot that they're in right now um you know i think that's something they can hold on to and it's probably about where they are um you know they're definitely better than they were a few weeks ago but i'm not ready to start saying that this team is a contender or you know one that's going to go deep into the playoffs um i think where they are in the standings right now is, is about where they actually are as a team when they don't have carly's heel
1: Yeah, I I would call them good, but I'd say good, not great. I I think it's, you put it very nicely, it's nothing to write home about. But if you look at the standings, we're fifth in the conference, um, that seems about right. Uh, there are some teams above us, like Orlando, and it, it was brought to my attention that Columbus, I don't know if you've seen their schedule, but they get to beat up on Nashville and, and Cincinnati. They've had some, uh, not not the toughest sc- schedule, so they might be a little bit fluky, but regardless, I, I'm not ready to put New England in the Columbus, Philadelphia, Toronto, um, you know, kind of trifecta up there, and, and Orlando has, has also been very, very good. They have a goal differential of 10, um, which is, you know, very, very impressive over 14 games, so Overall, I, I'm not willing to move them up, but you look at NYCFC, they're now without Harbor. Um, uh, New York Red Bulls, I, I'm not totally impressed with them. Montreal, I think we're better than. Nashville, Chicago, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Miami, D.C. United, that's, those are the rest of the teams in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you can't tell me that you know from the eighth seed down, um, we're, we're as bad as those teams. We're, we're in the tier above. So um, I, I, it's a little frustrating because I think with this remaining schedule – we're not going to learn a whole lot more about the Revs. We're not going to get any different opponents that we we haven't seen. Um, it's going to be the same teams. We get to play Nashville, but I don't think we're going to learn much from them. So, um, I, I think good, but not great. And hopefully, we're underestimating this team going into the playoffs. I think that's all we can ask for. Am I right?
0: No, I, I agree. I think you got to have that Toronto game kind of circled on your on your calendar as one that you know should be a good test for the Revolution you know, one of the few teams ahead of them in the standings that they're actually going to be playing uh, the rest of the way, just them and them in Philly, really. So um, that's a game where, you know, we've seen Toronto before, but we haven't seen them 8 million times before like we have with everybody else. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens then. But the, the schedule is kind of frustratingly redundant with who the Revolution are playing. And, you know, I agree playing a Nashville uh, expansion team isn't going to tell you that much either. But, you know, there's no doubt after these past two games that the Revolution... Uh, you know, are a strong enough team to certainly make the playoffs and certainly be, um, you know, above a lot of those teams you just mentioned. Um, But I I don't think they're strong enough to necessarily take the next step uh, and go on a really deep playoff run or, you know, make it to a cup final. Um, I think they are still a ways away from that, which, again, they're a good team, not a great team. With Carly's heel, they'd be a great team.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Um, We did get a question from Randy LH. What do you see as our biggest weakness right now? How can we correct it to make a run into the playoffs? Uh, Sean, I'll give you first dibs on this one. Where are the revs in need of improvement?
0: you know i i still get worried sometimes with the defense giving up some some dangerous chances um i i think the the Farrell kessler center back pairing has been building and getting better and i think it will continue to improve on its own i wouldn't change that um but there are still you know even when the, in the games where the revolution are getting shutouts uh this game maybe not so much although there was you know that one chance that if Aaron referral didn't slide in and, and, you know, make a fantastic play kind of a, you know, a goal saving play for sure. I would say in that situation early on, uh, they could have fallen behind one, nothing. So I, I think the defense still makes a bit too many mistakes, um, for my liking. And, you know, you know, part of that is, Kessler's still a rookie. Kessler's still learning to play with Andrew Farrell, and the two of them are, are still working out all the kinks there. And I think they've been getting better as the season goes on. And I think that's something that kind of improves on its own. Um, and then, you know, the fullback play as well with, you know, Dewan Jones going in and out of the lineup when, you know, Putin was he- not healthy um, doesn't help things. But to me, to me, the defense, even though the defensive record is good, is, is still kind of a weakness. Um, I, you know, I still think the central midfield pairing, um, you know, defensively with whether it's, you know, Scott Caldwell. Um, and Kellen Rowe or Scott Caldwell and and Tommy McNamara or Matt Polster's in there um, is good, but not great. And I think that's, you know, a position that if you really want to be a contender um, might need to be a little bit stronger. Um, But, you know, Overall, it's it's hard to point at any point out too many places on this Revolution team that you see as very weak. There's a lot of places that you know are, are good that could be great or could be better, um, and that's kind of what I look at more than necessarily any one position that's you know really terrible and, and needs fixing right now. Which you know is kind of a testament to how much better the Revolution have been in years past. Even some of those players that you know look like weaknesses in years past um, have gotten a lot better under Bruce Arena. So um, I, I wouldn't necessarily pigeonhole one spot that's a big concern, but I I, I do still think there are some concerns with that defense and overall how it plays that you know will get better with time and have gotten better with time but they're you know they're still making um, you know a few too many mistakes for for my liking and against a team better than dc united i think they got punished for that
1: are you concerned about um alexander bootner at all bootner sat out today with a strained hamstring um i asked bruce arena about it in the post-game press conference and uh, for context i asked about polster and bootner so obviously bruce arena gave a long answer about um matt polster who is uh, doing well, it seems. that He's going to be undergoing some tests over the next few days. Um, he had a scary collision against D.C. United tonight. For those that didn't see it, he took a, a foot to the head. and it looked like he was knocked out for a few seconds. It looks like it is a pretty clear concussion, uh, but he, he's going to have some tests uh, underdone over the next few days. And Bruce kind of went on a uh, long explanation of uh, Polster being awake and, and uh, having all of his senses, but obviously it's a little too early to tell. Uh, and he went into this long talk about that and said, uh, and Bootner has a strained hamstring, and that was it uh so obviously bootner was not the, the focus of uh you know bruce's uh, attention at that question so uh, we didn't get a whole lot of information on bootner uh, and and how long he might be out but he left wednesday's game with a strained hamstring sat out tonight um Sean, injury aside if even if Bootner is fully healthy is that a spot you're a little concerned about and what do you think about Dewan Jones uh, he played pretty well tonight in the left back spot do you think that Jones similar to last season might supplant Butner for that left back so- uh, spot spot uh, going down the stretch
0: yeah, you know, I, I thought Bootner was combining really well with Bunbury in that New York City FC game. Um, I thought the two of them on that left side did a really good job together. Um, and, you know, it, it's concerning with a muscle injury for Bootner. I know he's he's been a guy that's had muscle injuries throughout his career. And he's a guy that started the season injured. Um, and he's a guy that hadn't played a lot of minutes over the past couple of years until coming to the Revolution. So at 31 years old, you know, getting a muscle injury um, is concerning. You don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, you have to be concerned, it could be for a long time. And I thought he was playing really well in that New York City FC game. And I thought, you know, Bunbury was the answer to him on that left side, uh, much more so than Pania. So I think there was a lot of good going on there um, and a lot for the Revolution to build off of. So it was disappointing to see him get hurt. Um, with that said, I think Dewan Jones is an adequate replacement. I thought he had a really good game today um you know going up the left side he had a a couple of nice crosses from there if he can get decent crosses in more consistently from the left side um he's a very different player than Bootner. I think Bootner is a you know good guy with crosses in the air and uh, maybe from a bit further back where Jones Jones is the guy that can kind of get to the end line and play the low cross across the box um but if he can do that consistently I think the revolution will be fine with Dewan Jones there and I think he'll keep developing and his speed will be a huge asset to the revolution in that left back spot
1: yeah and and uh uh, Dewan Jones. I know he had at least two key passes. I don't have the stat in front of me, but uh, his two-score rating tonight was 8.05, uh, which is among the highest in the game. So a great night for Dewan Jones. A very quiet uh, night, a little, little sneaky under the radar performance, but uh, a really nice performance from Dewan Jones in that left-back spot. Uh, another thing too, before we move on about the biggest weakness, um, fans might be wondering what the issue or what the deal is with um, the transfer windows. It's worth noting. I just looked it up. Transfer window is open until October 29th, but by my math, I think we're out of senior roster spots. Spots. Um, I have not updated my uh, big spreadsheet in a while, but um, with the additions of Kakute Mene, uh, Tommy McNamara, and Lee Win, and pulling um, uh, Wilfred Zahibo off of the senior roster, it looks like we are at 20. Uh, I might be doing my math wrong, but uh, either way, I'm, I'm not sure that they can do another Lee Win, Kakute Mene, take on a salary, uh, and not give up anything. It looks like they, they would have to give away something to clear a senior roster spot. So um, I I I've said this before, and Bruce Arena has surprised me. I don't think we're going to be getting any help from outside uh, the, the current Revs locker room. I think this is pretty much the team going forward. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure where the biggest weakness is. Uh, you, you kind of said it very well, Sean, but uh, I'm not sure if they have any more uh, pieces to play in terms of uh, getting help from the outside.
0: Yeah and you're right just to confirm the the league does have the revolution as 20 of 20 senior roster spots folded right now so they would have to make some some sort of move to get rid of somebody um, if they're going to bring anybody else in and I don't know you know who would be that kind of trading asset now that you that you'd move on from to bring somebody else in so I think that the roster they have now is the roster we're going to see at the end of the season
1: uh, I'm speaking out loud too that uh, and and if if I'm understanding the rules correctly which is never given because You can read the MLS rules a million times and you still don't fully understand it. But um, uh, when Luis Caicedo was put on the season-ending reserve, they got his roster spot back and his international roster spot back. So in theory, I, I don't see why they couldn't do that with Carly's heel. So, um, if they wanted to rule him out for the rest of the season, I suppose they could open up a senior roster spot. Um, but who knows if they want to do that? Uh, you know, I, I, I guess someone good would have to come available in order to rule out your best player for the remainder of the season, um, or the injury is just that bad. So, um, that that's one way to do it. Uh, but as I say, and and again, I've said this two or three times and I'm proven wrong this summer, uh, because it's not usually the way the rubs do things, but, um, I don't see them making another trade. So. Um, before we get going, uh, that, that does it for listener questions. I did want to talk about Taeyon Buchanan uh, and just continue to eat crow. Um, I think about a month ago, I said I didn't want to see Taeyon Buchanan in the tie game. And ever since then, he has just continuously kicked ass, uh, made more look like Gabriel Somi tonight at left back. A uh, w- bunch of wonderful touches. He just seems to be getting better and better as time goes on. Sean, is Taeyon Buchanan at this point a solid starter in your mind?
0: I think so. I mean, if you look at the the criticisms we had for him, I think his confidence level has risen up so much that he looks like a different player out there. He looks like he's matured, you know, a ton. Um, and I think part of that was the confidence he gained from scoring a goal. But um, you know, he was a guy that was frequently a you know sub seventy percent passer. The past two games, he passed at at eighty nine point three percent versus Montreal, and then at ninety point nine percent versus DC United. I didn't see that coming from him um, at all. And I think even in the New York City FC game, he started off passing pretty poorly, and in the second half really turned things around. Um, so. He, uh, you know this game. I don't think he had as many touches or was as involved as he'd been in some other games. But he's just been such a solid player. Um, and if you watch kind of what he does off the ball, the runs he makes, he opened up a lot of space for Lee Win. Even when he wasn't getting passes, he was making smart runs to pull defenders out of the middle and to create spaces for guys like Lee Win, for guys like Gustavo Bow. Um, so even in the games where he's not, you know, get, there was the game we had all those headers getting on the end of crosses. But even in the games where he's not that actively involved in taking shots and in setting up goals, he's making really smart runs and his pace is caused teams a lot of problems and opening up holes for other guys so I I think he is a a solid starter for the revolution going forward and he's going to keep getting better because he's still just 21 years old
1: yeah as you said 91% pass accuracy from Tejan Buchanan tonight and he also had the assist against Montreal on the Diego Fagundes goal um Not a whole lot of stats tonight to write home about. Uh, He had one tackle. uh, He had one ball recovery. It says he was dispossessed twice, uh, but he also drew a number of fouls um, from Mora. He was, uh, yeah, three fouls. Uh, Mora, I I thought... a couple of times would have been worthy of a yellow card. Uh, but it seems like the referee kept him in the pocketed for those occasions. But as I said, um, Taeyang was creating all sorts of problems. Um, as I say, not on the, not on the statute. It wasn't a great game, but, uh, he's certainly showing more and more improvement as time goes on and, uh, really just making me eat my words. Um, you know, did he hear what I said and did I motivate him? Probably not, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to take credit for it. I'm going to say that that was the big turnaround in the Tayon Buchanan season. Uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on is that uh, Henry Kessler scored his first career MLS goal. I'm bringing it up solely so I can tell everyone that Henry Kessler is the second player from the MLS Super Draft to uh, the 2020 Super Draft class to score. That is a stat that I looked up. It took me a long time to figure it out, uh, but I figured out Henry Kessler the second player from the 2020 uh, MLS Super Draft class to score, joining his UVA teammate Daryl Um, Sean, we started as a joke pretty much right the second he was drafted but henry kessler has a legitimate chance at rookie of the year um he's really him and daryl dk are the only two guys from the super draft class that are uh, getting significant minutes both of them are impressing daryl dk has three goals and three assists in 518 minutes down at orlando city henry kessler i don't know if this is updated for tonight but obviously he had the goal scored he's become the number one center back on a very very solid defensive team uh, he has over a thousand minutes he's started uh either 10 or 11 games depending on if this page that i'm looking at is updated um i mean henry kessler has a legitimate chance at rookie of the year doesn't he
0: yeah absolutely and the the biggest knock on on daryl dk is that he didn't play i think the first five or six games of the season so he kind of started off from behind on that um you know offensive players always have an edge on these type of awards if you're putting up nice goal numbers uh you know People that are voting on these rewards that aren't necessarily watching every game see that, and they don't necessarily see what Henry Kessler is doing. Um, but with that said, I, I give Henry Kessler the edge right now. I think. D.K. You know had a really strong start to August. Where I mean, he hadn't played any games until August. He never, you know, didn't play any games in July, any games in March. Um, his, his first his debut came in August, and he scored a goal. And then he had two goals in the game after that. And then he hasn't scored since. Um, which isn't to say he hasn't been good. He has a couple of assists. He's been a really good player. Uh, you know, for Orlando, he's been you know a. a, a revelation for them and uh, a very solid season for orlando but i think henry kessler has been the revolution's best defender this season he's been a day in and day out starter for the most part um to me he he's the favorite for that award right now
1: yeah he's played in every single game for the revolution so far and when you're one of the league's best defenses and you're the number one center back i i feel like that is a huge indicator of your influence um i, I and and you know, as we say, year after year, the Superdraft is declining in value for the Rebs to find a great center back who some people are saying might be a U.S. Uh, national team center back in the long term. I mean, I, I don't see how he doesn't get the Rookie of the Year awards. Um, you mentioned offensive players normally get that, and certainly three goals and three assists look good for Daryl DK. But uh, I, I Henry Kessler is, I mean, if you were to list the most important Revolution players, Matt Turner, probably Gustavo Bo. Then Henry Kessler, I mean, he he is really high up there on the list in terms of um, how meaningful they've been to the 2020 revolution.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned how few other, you mentioned it's just DK and and Kessler that have scored goals this season. So, um, you know, that, that helps Kessler stand out the fact that, you know, there haven't really been other players doing anything offensively. I think it is kind of down to those two guys. Um, and, and with that in mind, and, and, you know, for the reasons you just said to me, it's gotta be Kessler right now. Um, of course, DK could go on a scoring tear and if he scores, you know, five more goals in the next five or six games, um, that might change, but, you know, Kessler has made a really good case for himself.
1: We're short on questions tonight because it's so late. Uh, But, Sean, I want to give you the chance. Uh, Do you want to talk about Tottenham for 20 seconds again, or are you good? Uh,
0: After this morning's game, I don't want to talk about Tottenham. Uh, VAR was uh, quite disappointing in the the rule change over in England that essentially if your arm is not at your side and the ball strikes it in the box, it's a penalty kick, no matter what the situation is. uh, It's pretty harsh. Yep.
1: I'm glad you didn't want to talk about that and then went immediately into talking about it. But... (laughs) Uh Sean before we wrap up is there anything else you wanted to talk about?
0: No, I mean I'm just glad to hear that that Matt Polster after a very scary injury seems to be doing okay. Um I, I wouldn't expect that we'll see him back in the, the next game, but I'm glad to hear that, you know, he he seemed like he was doing okay in the locker room after the game because that was, uh, you know, one of the scarier injuries I've seen in a while.
1: And uh I I also think uh we should give a quick shout out to uh Tony Marinero of TSN 690 in Montreal who had you on as a guest this week to preview the Montreal impact game, the Montreal forum, that's his uh, radio show. So I wanted to thank him for having you on. Uh, And I also want to just give him a lot of credit for actually knowing about soccer, uh, which is a a lot better i i think he knows a lot more about the revolution uh than the radio hosts in boston I, I think you were well i don't i can't speak for you but i was really surprised at the uh depth of the questions and he was talking about how the revolution play uh and and uh, certain trades that have been involved with the revolution he certainly did his homework uh on, on the upcoming impact and revolution game so uh, i was pretty impressed at the depth of his questions that uh, he threw at you there
0: that was refreshing because you you hear people in, complain all the time about the lack of coverage of the revolution on Boston sports radio. Um, but in reality, the, the Boston sports radio guys, for the most part, don't like soccer um, and don't want to take the time to understand it. So if they were to cover it, it wouldn't be very much in depth, and it wouldn't be you know very insightful. Um, so to, to have kind of the exact opposite experience talking to somebody on you know, the biggest station in Montreal, the sports station in Montreal, and hear uh, them be extremely knowledgeable at soccer was a bit refreshing and uh, something you'd hope to see more of in Boston that we, we don't see.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I also want to just give a quick shout out. We mentioned it in passing, but it's worth noting Diego Fugundes finally got on the score sheet for the first time uh, in 2020. It's his first goal in 19 appearances and 862 minutes of game time dating back to July 27th. Uh, 2019 so over a calendar year between goals 51 uh, career goals 51 and 52 for diego fundes um not a whole lot of thoughts about diego i don't think it changes his role very much uh, but just really encouraging to see him finally uh get a goal kind of end that frustration on his end um, so, yeah, just just big uh, positive marks for, for Diego Facundes, and hopefully it leads to a few more in the future before he ends up leaving the New England Revolution. Uh, and also, I have just a personal gripe. I would like to get off my chest before we wrap up here today, but... Uh, You know, for those of you who may have followed my personal Twitter account before I deleted it, you would know that I am a big fan of the TV show BoJack Horseman, which ended last year. It was nominated for an Emmy for an amazing episode of television, and it lost to a dime a dozen episode of Rick and Morty on at the Emmys last week. Uh, I found this out, and I was very, very distraught. So uh, I just wanted to personally just kind of rant that uh, if you don't watch BoJack Horseman, I heavily recommend it. It is a great funny and slightly depressing show. Uh, and it's completely worth the watch and it's much better than Rick and Morty. So, all right, Sean, where can people find you on Twitter?
0: You can find me at Sean Aldonahue. Donahue. Uh, You can follow
1: us at Revolution Recap, and you can also find our Revolution Recap Facebook page. Uh, We will be back next week. The Revolution, come back home to play Nashville. It is a Saturday night game, so we won't be doing this midnight podcast after uh, a Celtics loss. It will be kind of more of on on our regular schedule, and hopefully it will be a little more extended with some longer thoughts. But uh, until then, thank you, everyone, for listening, and go Revs.